So yes, those generational curses, curses, well, yeah, yeah, I guess we can, can jump into to that. Where would you like to start since you brought it up? Break that shit. <laughs> Anybody black out there that's a millennial, that's of this, this moment, don't be afraid to break it. If you can see me now. I'm sitting here like I didn't want the Super Bowl oh my God. or either a playoff game. And I'm trying to encourage the people out there in the world that God is good. God is great. The universe is amazing. Break those generational curses because if we continue to go on with the way that we're doing things now, we're going to continue to end up in what I like to call a shit fuck. And it's really just a cluster of ongoing trauma, 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 and trauma some more and trauma again. And it's unfortunate that we, this generation, if you will, that's more introduced to therapy and, you know, et cetera, are the ones that's charged with it. And then when you're charged with it or you want to do better for yourself, you're wrong, you're you're. Uh, too good for the family and you know I've had this conversation in multiple places so break those curses so you're saying to break the curses how does one do that when one we're in the midst of a pandemic two you're the only person trying to break the curses and three you're having to realize that on this journey Nobody's gonna come with you. It's you the only one there. So you go you gonna have some unresolved issues with a lot of people who just ain't trying to hear it. All those factors involved. How can you tell someone right here and now? The number one thing is to own it. Once you start owning it, you can identify owning it, excuse me, you can identify everything else that you need to identify. Once you really start realizing that you need to do better for yourself that you don't have to stay in the same um, cycle that you've been in or that your family been in once you own it you can break it you can walk out of it walk away from it because what it end up doing is impairing in some shape form or fashion your mental or emotional health and you may not even realize it you may be a very toxic individual but you've been doing things in life this same way and you think it's okay until you meet your match. And once you meet your match, you start realizing like, okay, it could be a person, it could be a place, it could be a thing. Once you start meeting your match, you're like, you know, this isn't healthy. Why isn't this healthy? Oh, because this is the way I was raised. Nobody told me different. Or we think about just the disparity between the way black mothers raise, quote unquote, their sons to the way that that same black mother will police her daughter like it's so much trauma sitting on that young girl's shoulders that she's been put out at 18 but her brother's still at home and he he 25 laying on the couch and mama fixing him food well it's tough out there for black men actually it's equally as tough out here for black women as well you know that's when my feminism if you will starts to kick in because that's what we're not going to do being in the school system i've seen it personally i've seen it matter of fact that Kanika Jenkins story like that's personal to me because I, I was her dean and well as her brother and when I that example that I just gave was the same thing mom policed her 
she tried to raise him, but he was always in and out the system. But look who's still here and look who's not here because she was crying out for mom's attention. So, you know, that's personal to me. That's why I'm all about working and striving to break these curses and trying to do it in the middle of a pandemic. It's tough. However, we need to start taking advantage of the resources that we do have to us. Try to figure out therapy. It's a long, daunting process. It's, it's, it's not easy. But once you start there and realize, like, man, I really want to get to therapy, what can I do for myself? Own it. Once you start owning it, even in the middle of a pandemic, there's little things that you can do for yourself. And if you have trusted people around you to help, you know, safeguard your, your feelings and your thoughts and just, you know, be heard and be listened to, you can really start breaking those things. Push against the grain, you know. At 34, 35 years old, your mama still shouldn't be opening your mail. Or, you know, no, seriously, like, and that's not my case. Hopefully not. That was very Wait a minute. specific. Hopefully not. So, I'm sorry. Hopefully not. I'm sorry, because mine still opens my mail that I get at home. But that's neither here nor there. And it's just like, stop it. You know what I mean? Or, or um, one day I had my mom refer to a friend of mine as my little friend. And I was about to say, you know, and I and I actually, I said it. I said, actually, I don't have any little friends, nor mentally, emotionally, or physically. I said, so, who are you asking about? Who are you referring to? Because you're going to give them the respect that they deserve. You know, so once you start pushing back, yeah, it looks disrespectful to them because they feel like that's the way that it's supposed to happen. But no, you have to safeguard your mental and emotional health, especially during the holidays. Like... I spent an hour in my family's house. Why? Because, well, maybe a little bit more than an hour. It is because of my own wants and needs. I have to start pushing back into being around. So it wasn't going to be me oversaturating myself in that setting without, you know, gingerly walking in first and reacclimating my myself to whatever was to come. And it wasn't bad at all. So once you start owning it, all the other work can follow but you have to own it first. You have to realize that there is a problem. I think that uh, really would like today, the, the day where I stopped starting my sentences with I think, but I think that that is just me sort of saying that this is just my personal opinion. I remember when my father told me that black women had it easier than black men and uh, I know that I didn't get most of my um, critical thinking skills from that side of the family. So I never really inquired why he felt certain ways about certain things. But on that day, I was like, pray tell, my man, why and how do you think that it is easier for a black man than it is a black woman? Of course, you know, you get this, the statistics about you know, black men and, and their interactions with the police and so on and so forth. Um, and while those are very valid, I think your point to the way that that black girls are raised in the home, mm -hmm. he doesn't have any sisters. He was the mm -hmm. oldest. So, you know, his first interaction with a girl, a family was me. And we all know that black fathers are like what I what I like to call emergency contact parents right they only really come around if there's an emergency or you know it's not permanent mm, yeah so 
I understood his reasoning. I knew he was wrong. Never argued with him about things because me changing his mind was never going to help anything. Um, but I also remember hearing that black mothers and firstborn daughters have the most complex and complicated relationships. And I agree with that in every way. And the reasoning was because everything that that black woman had been through, she was surely going to project. That child was a trial and run child, so on and so forth. When I would point out things to Vanessa about Makai, because she was the baby of the family, she would automatically sympathize with him. Oh, you're just saying that because he's the baby and you're not supposed to feel that way. You guys are 12 years apart. You know, you had more support. He doesn't all he has is me and thankfully I think he hasn't been handicapped by her her thought process but I can tell that there's going to be a, a set of development a stage of development that he is yet to go through that is going to have to happen after he's 18 he has spent more years with her in a household than I've spent with her in a household I had to learn some survival skills that I am just now trying to break down because of that. Thankfully, he doesn't get that, but he's going to have his own subset mm -hmm. of things. And it took a while for me to realize that he is going to have his own subset of, of things to work through, even if they're not identical to mine. That doesn't mean that he has it any easier. It just means he has a different set of problems. Mm -hmm. um, so with all that being said, it is difficult to even just acknowledge those. And I can't imagine having to go through therapy while being at home or living with, with my mom. Um, I really do feel for people who try to have therapy and work through things while being in that same environment. It is very easy to be 800 miles away from home and work through some shit. Yeah. It's easy not to live in the same house and work through some shit because you get to detach you get to detach and you get to decide on when you interact with with them but i do think that it, it is a journey that is not for the faint of heart and i want everybody to do it on their own time but to actively do it it takes me back to what you just said about your dad and having uh, that mentality that, you know, black men have it harder than women. And it to make it a personal story, it makes me think about me being who I am and having that pseudo, or maybe I'm, I won't even call it pseudo, but having that masculine presenting side of myself and having those duties, even as a young person, um, but being the first black daughter, and guess what? The only <laughs> child oh. to my mom with those masculine presenting qualities and the load that came from that like I remember I talk about it all the time like chores like there were so, certain chores I hated like I'm not about to wash a dish but I'll go out there and cut the yard I go take the garbage out you know and I negotiate it because I'm like I'm not about to be uncomfortable and I wish that in present day she realized that she has groomed what is me 
and who I am. And it's, it's truly okay because outside of my little nuances, I think I'm a pretty phenomenal individual. And that comes from her. That comes from my grandmother. That comes from my aunt. It comes from being raised in a three-woman household and how I deal with women and present you know, myself to them, approach them, converse with them, so on and so forth. So I, it's, it's tough period and I don't want to you know I don't want to water down the black man's story I don't want to water down the black woman's story but I just think about some of these issues that we ran into with police brutality and how these black women did not get a chance to even run away or to fight or to any of this you know um, um, so dear and near and close to my heart for whatever reason is the Rihanna Taylor situation she served us, the public, the people. She was asleep after, after a shift. And she didn't get a chance to fight and say, no, you got the wrong house. She was done. She was gone. You know, there's other stories. I can't remember this woman's name. For some reason, I want to say it's either Carrie, Corinne. I think I know who you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was sitting in the house. The police just came in. Her kids was there, and they shot and killed her. You know, so it's just like, we don't get that chance. Uh, go back to Sandra Bland. I have my issues with her personal views, mm -hmm. but that doesn't take away the fact that her life was taken away. You know, her mugshot photo always haunts me because that woman was dead in that photo. You can't tell me any different. I watch way too much Criminal Minds, CSI, <laughs> you, oh, so on and so forth, and I always have a love for science and photography. So marry those two together. Her eyes was glazed over. Her shoulders was raised. She was laid down. Her eyes appeared open. That woman was dead. We don't get a chance to fight. And again, that's not taken away from the black man's story. That shit's saying black women do get a extremely unfair chance in life. When we talk about, you know, uh, women of color in the workplace, it's typically Asian, Middle Eastern, all those other things before you get to a black woman. Like, we have our own subset. We're not in that category of people of color in the workplace. We're in our own little subset. Like, it's tough. It, it is tough to be, for me, number one, black. Number two, a woman. Number three, masculine presenting. Like, it's extra work. And it's extra work not only just in society, but to my family. In particular, to my mom. And, um, yeah, it's just it's so much that goes into that that, you know, I could talk about this for 90 years. We have to get used to seeing black and not people of color and woman of color because I think every every race, every group, every marginalized community should have the right to own their story. There's a place and time for everything and every minority group should have their own space and place and platform. They should not have to share. Even if their struggles and obstacles are similar, I don't think that they should be grouped together. Mm -hmm. And I think that people of color has become the new I don't see mm -hmm. color. Um, because you are somehow saying that all women of color, though we face the same things, have the same obstacles. What that only resides in the workplace, though. It's so, it's just, it's sickening. It resides in the workplace. And it's, it's I don't, yep. I'm listening. <laughs> yes. So I, I remember telling my former employer when asked about the conversation 
about a statement that we should release on things that were happening in June, um, I remember telling them that if they were going to release a statement, be prepared to say black. Yep. Speak to it. Speak. Thank you. Speak to you it. You would have thought that I would have said say nigga because <laughs> they were alarmed. Their eyes got big and I was like, listen. We're not seeing any other demographic going through what black people are going through right now. So we're not going to bother to say black, don't say nothing. Yeah. And of course, it's always easier not to say anything. That's that that's the ownership piece that I talk about. Like, own it. Like, if you're going to say something about something, own it. Say something. Because a lot of people were saying something and a whole lot of nothing. At the same time. At the same time. Like, your statement don't mean anything to me. I think I remember, I think it was Vance. I'm a big Vance fan. Um, and I remember their Black Lives Matter statement on their, their web page. But guess what? That Black Lives Matter statement has been there for years. As compared to, oh, we can't use Aunt Jemima on the front of Pancake Mix no more. We got to find something else. Let's find something else to shuck and jive with. And it's just like, don't nobody give a shit about you and your pancake mix, ho. Like, can I say that? <laughs> I, think you, I said it. I you know, it's just like, stop the shenanigans. Oh, Uncle Ben's rice ain't Uncle Ben's rice no more. It's the black man. His name is Benjamin Reginald Rice. And it's just like, that's that. Stop. You're not saying shit to me. So stop it. Y'all pancake mix and syrup suck anyway, but that's a different story. I got my own little thing with that. Anyway, stop saying nothing, trying to say so much because it's not working. But Vance had a little statement on their website, but guess what? That's always been them. Nike can kiss my ass too, but I'm going to still buy me some Nike. <laughs> the, um, you made me lose my train of thought with your fuck Nike statements, but I'm still by Nike. Um, they trying. No, no, they're not. Nobody asked for any black representation on food items to go away. We asked for black people to stop being murdered in the street by right. police. We didn't ask for Juneteenth as a national holiday because I'm going to take that day off regardless. Yeah. We just asked for CPD dot to terrorize black communities um and we got everything but yeah we, but we're supposed to be appeased with that that's that that's slave mentality that yep. that goes Thank back you. to generational curses <laughs> transgenerational curses christianity i'm sorry go ahead these are your buzzwords yeah okay um lovecraft country oh wow we're not tulsa race wide riots you good? I'm good. Okay. You can get me started. I'm war- I'm just warming up. How long are we going to talk? Oh, God. So back to my <laughs> <laughs> Back to my statement. That is slave mentality. And I think, I hate when people ask me why. Why did I move here? It's really hard to paint the picture of what life was like living in Charleston in 2015 with the Emanuel shooting and then people go the what because and I I don't want this to be the oppression Olympics or the um, mass shooting you know Olympics but that's probably the one where people don't recognize by name right you know you know so many other ones but if you got to give a little more context to the Emanuel shooting 
and be whole. Each family, and this is their God-given right, each family that stood at that hearing and said, we forgive you. Um, you know, so many times when families are hugging the oppressors, you know, the person who took someone's life to show forgiveness and growth, I realized that that was a slave mentality that was ingrained deeply into the Southern culture and I had to go. Because if I didn't, I was gonna catch a case. Because the last thing I was gonna do was to be expected to forgive someone who potentially took the life of someone I loved or put my life in danger. Because that's a case that I'm yeah. not trying to catch. But a hill that you're willing to die on. A hill I'm willing to die on, very much so, because I think that's, that slave mentality um, is in everything. And so when people around the world were protesting this past June, what was people doing in Charleston? <sighs> Hugging people of a different race, and I'm not going to get into what that looks like but there were people in a park in Charleston just hugging each other and, and hugging cops and just hugging and I was just like uh while the rest of the world have action items and are demanding justice y'all down there hugging hugging people I'm sorry that kind of just that made me a little upset sick and upset at the same time because it just those buzzwords as you just called them um, really fit into that same connotation like I will not at 36 years old and having been in, uh, born in 84 right so all I know is that I'm an 80s baby I grew up in the 90s and a maniac you know so on and so forth but I will not disrespect my history and that's my history as long as I'm black that's my history. Tulsa, that's my history. All the other race riots in, in the world, that's my history. What happened over in um, the township of Cicero when two black folks decided they wanted to move there because his job was up here and they tore up the whole damn town, but charged them. Charged a real estate agent back in the 50s and charged them with inciting a riot. But it was the white folks that went and tore shit up in Cicero. The white folks. Nobody got charged for tearing up a whole damn town with these two. I will not negate my history. I won't negate my my great grandparents, my great 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 grandparents. I will not negate that that spiritual line of slaves that come over from Africa. That's my history. I don't know them, but I know them. Those are my ancestors. So for you to sit here and tell me after that happened, I'm about to stand in court. And say, I forgive you, fuck you. I hope you die. I hope you rot. I hope you have the hardest life. Because guess what? I have died. I am grieving. I am still rotting. And I'm not about to forgive you for anything. You got taken to Burger King after you shot up a church. Mm-hmm. Apprehended you. peacefully. Apprehended peacefully. You know how many times black people have not been apprehended peacefully you got a meal from burger king in north carolina which we're not gonna get into the difference of north and south carolina and the yeah. different race lines that live traveled there. over yeah yeah and brought back you you got yeah i saw it play out from the beginning to end that night i was in the emergency room so unfortunately the only thing that was on tv was the news it kept getting interrupted that happened you know one of our sisters we lost 
in that and her daughter just enrolled into my alma mater and a lot of people put up a lot of money and I wish I would have known about it before to make sure she had a warm welcome especially now because the campus is going co-ed I don't know what the demographics look like it is a PWI you know she is black um I remember working at MUSC and one of the guys from the family came and he he was his sister he lost his sister and he was one of the family members that got to sit down with President Obama. I don't think MUSC knew he was going to say what he was going to say. But he was like, one, I didn't ask for forgiveness. I, I, was, I wasn't in the court telling this man that I forgive him. But I also asked President Obama, what are we going to do about racism? And he started talking about gun reform. And he was like, no, 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 no. What are we going to do about racism? Yeah. Because guns may have been the weapon that took my sister but it wasn't what started the war. Yeah. What are we gonna do about race? He didn't have an answer. And you can see that anger within him. Like, we went through all of this. There was cameras everywhere. I remember when Pharrell came and I was heated because what the hell does Pharrell know about Charleston, South Carolina? And why is he here trying to have a Kumbaya concert? A township, like why? Even yeah. people that are from there, I know that Steph Curry just did a documentary with Viola. And it's like, great, Viola's from St. Matthews. But she ain't lived in, in South Carolina in a good probably 20 years. Yeah. She probably don't even go to St. Matthews. You blank and you miss St. Matthews. I know she just went back and purchased her childhood home, but I doubt she's going to live there and pay taxes there. So it was a media circus. And unfortunately, it just became this PR for forgiveness and I remember sitting in many community meetings and this one black man was like very older gentleman probably in his 70s maybe 80s and he was like today before I got here I saw a black boy walking down the street with a white girl and I just knew that our work was done and I was like what what (laughs) This may not be a platform. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that right now. I just thought, like, wow, this is what... This man would be considered my ancestor, no? Like, I know he's still here, but he is, you know... Supposed to be leading the charge. Well, he's a, lived through it, right? In the South? Yeah. He's lived through but all the big I moments. I guess that's the thing, too, though. You know what I mean? Thinking about how interracial dating was back then and especially mm-hmm. down in the south and so on and so forth for his his eye view that is making it for me for us yeah nah because we're of a different generation i know we have a significant age gap but we are still the same generation whether you want to believe it or not um so yeah that's a very valid point i guess that would be seen as progress mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that one for Stop leaning into the mic. <laughs> this ain't the platform. Come on. Yes. So slave mentality to me is, is yeah, I guess you're right. It's that he'll all die on. And I think it creeps, I think because it creeps into many, many different things. And it's been the foundation for which other traumas have been born. Yeah. Then the family in the ways that black, the journey of a black woman from the role she played in slavery until now and and how that her mother's burdens that she had to carry and what new burdens she created for her own daughters 
And so I honestly do believe that slave mentality has really provided a nice ground for that to grow on. So going back into generational curses and the hard-headedness of black folks and how a lot of social unrest and systemic racism has been revealed, even though we always knew it existed during a pandemic. It took a pandemic to say to other people, specifically white people, like, hey, these things are happening. Now you're just all home at the same time to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, you you hit that one <laughs> on the head. It's been here. It's been here. You just been moving too fast to actually acknowledge it, but yet we have to live it. You know, let me let me say this because I know this is a, this is public. I have my thing with interracial dating. So you triggered something for me when you said, you know, he thought that was progress. Not progress, but the end. Like, whoop, racism, done. Yeah. You know, that that's a thing for me. Why? Because I'm bent and I am, I have been molded. I have been shaped. I have lived through some things where black women are seen as difficult or they're seen as argumentative, especially if you want to go into colorism, light-skinned woman, black, uh, dark-skinned woman. I have seen pretty much all that I can see to form my next opinion of if you can say that about a black woman and I'm, I'm making this personal I'm making this 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 right here if you can say that about any black woman there's something wrong with you because that same generational curse that I'm talking about also is the same generational trauma that's on the opposite side of that you choose not to embrace it go date somebody outside of your race because you genuinely fell in love with them not because you couldn't handle a black woman. You think, yeah, I think that's the conversation about interracial dating, that it should be out of pure love and it shouldn't have to come at the downfall and it's harmful rhetoric to black women. Exactly. It should be about preference. Like, hey, this is just what I prefer without shitting on black women. Yeah. And I think it's more than just, it's so, it's more than just, than just the outwardly, people saying like black women are difficult there's still black people who will date interracial who won't say black women are difficult because they know better mm -hmm. but will still project that in small spaces mm -hmm. right and they'll use their blackness as sort of an armor of no i'm pro-black everything mm -hmm. i would never tear down this person but we can see in personal relationships that they do they are aiding in breaking down or projecting onto black women or holding them to these standards in their microaggressions so just because they don't say oh i don't date black women because they're difficult but still treat them mm -hmm. as if they're difficult in their personal spaces i think i think those are really the harmful people because i've always said i'd rather know who i'm who i'm working with mm -hmm. or what i'm getting even if it's bad yeah if you can be honest about yours, like, hey, I think black women are difficult and they argue a lot. Hey, y'all the salt of the <laughs> earth. So, so that's why I don't date them. I could deal with a person who speaks to that versus yeah. someone who says, no, I love all my black queens. But then in the workplace. My rib. Get out. <laughs> but in the workplace and in public and in friend circles still, still perpetrate those 
those stereotypes. It's just like that gentleman that was shot and killed uh, in Texas. That was, you oh, know, was it Tennessee? Ooh. No, Texas. 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 Um, how he was, you know, so black people ain't uh, white people ain't did nothing to me. I'm black. I was damn near raised but that's by white. Like, and... But that's like Wayne, who says because a white cop saved his life, that is why he yeah. doesn't. Now see... look what happened. I want to here. I'm gonna be petty as hell and say this. I want to go tap on his grave and say, "Can you say that again for me?" <sighs> I have no cool. I have no chill. I, but I, I, I want to do that. I think a lot of people... Bro! I think that's why he wasn't a hashtag, right? I didn't see a lot of advocacy no, for him. No. Because people remember those things. But wait a minute. You remember his black mama crying on TV? When she did her, you know, when they went to, to see her and talk to her. And, you know, my baby this, my baby that. But your baby, because of your black struggle back then, because he said it. Oh, I ain't really had clothes on my back. wasn't really fed. And his assimilation to that whiteness. But you're crying over his body now. I don't know anybody else is gonna cry over his body like his his black mama. I mean, yeah, cause you know what I'm saying. That's that's your mama. Your struggle, and trying to keep this young black man, your son, up and alive and well. Yeah. He's detached from that. But it's you crying over his black body. So I'm ignorant right now. I want to say. Bro, get up. Tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it completely. I, I get it. Um, and again, I didn't really see his story being uplifted by, by black people in the way that, you know, other people have. Um, and I get it. I think it's easier to detach from moments like that because we're not saying that this person chose their destiny mm-hmm. by their words. Everybody's just sharing their personal accounts and personal opinion, but it's like, how can I, a black woman, advocate for you if we didn't share the same ideologies? If you didn't, Basic you didn't, you didn't feel any sort of connection with those we lost in the same way that you are gone, then how am I supposed to advocate for you when you didn't advocate for them? Simply put, you didn't yeah. advocate for people who, who died that way. So therefore, I, yeah. how am I supposed to advocate for you? God rest his soul. <laughs> I just had to bring my blackness out. Yes. Talk about you all day, be petty as hell, but... God rest your soul. You know God you're not supposed to speak soul. ill of the dead. Not at all. I just want, you know... You just want answers. I you, don't want them. He can, he, hmm. You want him to sleep in peace? Yeah, he cool. It is what it is. <laughs> what? You all right? Oh, I'm good. This subject just, you know, when it comes to blackness and black women, <laughs> man, listen. I think that, um, there I go again, that damn thing. Someone's going to create a drinking game. When I say I think, they're going to drink and drive alcohol poisoning. I need you to have that confidence in, in what you're feeling and your opinion. So no more, I think. Stand firm. I think it's me it. processing. No, no, it is me processing. Come on with it. See how she yelling at me? It's me processing my thoughts and feelings because no one takes the time to process their thoughts and feelings anymore. They just speak, spew out shit. So I think. You believe. I think. Because I am thinking as I speak. Because people don't think. They don't take pauses anymore. 
So that's just my thought process. Is when the conversation is organic, there's going to be hangups like that. This is only the third installment of not hiding in my closet and read my inner thoughts like Moesha. Oh, I was number three, huh? That's dope. Three is a powerful number. You Three is one of your favorite numbers and the meaning behind it. So yes, you are three. And I, I'm pretty sure we're going to keep the episodes in the same sequence. Yeah. Anywho. As we circle back to COVID and 2021 and black people and generational curses. Last episode when I spoke with Jess, we talked about her losing some of her close friends in a in a homicide suicide. Okay. We eventually started talking about one one of the gentlemen and the way that he self medicated, and the reason why people have to self medicate because of lack of resources. Mm-hmm. And I think that even though we were speaking about people not of color. I think that that is a conversation even now. Yes, if you have insurance, more than likely, because we're in a pandemic, your res- your mental health resources are being covered. But I can't imagine what it's like not to have comprehensive <laughs> health insurance. Um, but even more so, because Jess and I also talked about it goes beyond insurance. I think she spoke to the resources in the Southeast and what that looks like. How it's not as comprehensive because it's still taboo. And so the resources there, there might be, you know, a, a hospital or a practice and there might be a bunch of therapists, but the accessibility isn't there. And even so, when you're in a session, you're not gonna get maybe the same quality of care as you would. Yeah, up north. Yeah. So what do you say to black people? Because you made a very, you know, you made a statement in the beginning. Like, hey, you need to be doing the work. What do you say to people who who live in spaces and places where the work isn't as encouraged? That might not live in a blue state um, or live in a, in a place where the resources are available. It's a really good question. I'm glad you circled back to that because of where I've been in my life trajectory. I've been on both ends of the spectrum where I had complete open accessibility. I had what I call PEPO insurance and could go when, where, and how I want. And then being unemployed, I um, had public assistance. And seeing the, the difference, yet some of the similarities, it was really mind blowing. So I am grateful to God and the universe for putting me in those spaces where I can see both because it gives me it gives me the knowledge to answer your question Mm -hmm. when we're not in spaces where accessibility is an immediate thing where we have to sit and wait for referrals to happen 
I just want people to realize that's also a part of doing the work. You're not just idly standing by waiting for something to happen. On a spiritual level, you're putting that energy into the atmosphere of actually doing the work. Everything in life is a process, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because when you recognize something, it's like you want to hop on it. You want to get it done. You want to go for it. When I think about those who are in spaces and places where they may be unemployed and don't have any unemployment coming in, all they have is that county care card or whatever Medicare or medical assistance that they have, keep pushing in because we're a part of the movement. It's happening. We may not see it a lot, but sign up. Keep calling. It's frustrating. But in order to be heard and in order for change to happen, we have to be a part of the catalyst. We want some things fixed. Keep pushing, keep doing the work, keep finding those people in your life who won't just be your yes folks, who won't just celebrate, you know, your goods and, and, and then they're gone. Find those moments in your life and those people in your life that are going to be a part of doing the work. Hey, I'm trying to seek out therapy. It's a process, I don't have insurance, but I found this resource or I found an activity that I wanna trust you with, um, that you can do with me. Like be a part of your change. And I also want to say that your friends aren't your therapists, so don't expect a miracle, right? <laughs> Your friends or family members aren't your therapists, but they are resources. So don't be afraid to reach out. And if you have a moment where you have to examine your circle, know who, it's just like being at work, know your personnel, right? Know your resources. Some people aren't built for certain things. And it doesn't mean that they don't care. It means that they just don't have the ability to meet you where you need them to meet you. And sometimes you have to take a pause. Sometimes you have to say, okay, friend, I'll holler at you in a minute. I need to go through whatever I'm going through. But trust yourself. So I know I kind of like hit a lot of different spaces with that response. But keep pushing in. Be a part of the, the change. Keep making those appointments. Keep calling. Keep doing this. Because as more the system overloads, the more those higher-ups are going to say, we need more. The more they're going to say, okay, we need legislative change or and so on and so forth. We can be hopeful. Hope is all we have sometimes. And hope really has kept me mentally and emotionally alive, but also physically alive. Find those resources. Keep pushing in. Know your, your personnel, a.k.a. your circle, that will help you get through some shit. Be present in your own life. Because without you being present in your own life, none of this can, can happen, can take effect. So I know I'm speaking more spiritually in a spiritual context. But I'm also touching on those points of you just got to keep pushing. And have somebody that's willing to cuss your ass out when you're ready to give up. Oh, my goodness. Like, for real. We got we to gotta have that person that, that's going to say, like, everything that you don't want to hear because that's what you need to hear. <clears throat> I hope I answered your question. <laughs> Yes, I was letting your sentiment breathe. Sometimes you just got to let it breathe. Let it breathe. 
is there anything else you would like to say before we sign off? First of all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, head of my life. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here. I want to accept this award on behalf of my mama. Mama, I love you. How you going to say, Mama, I love you? <laughs> you spoke a whole lot on a lot of things. Because I, I can speak on those things because I love her. Fair enough. Uh, shout out to my set, my crew. Oh, my God. Uh, shout out to the host. Uh, you are a true runaway girl. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that statement. It's all good. Okay. Thank you. Now, what award was you accepting again? Yeah, I'm gonna figure that out. I'll get back to you. All right, appreciate it. Thank you for <laughs> <laughs> that one. <laughs> no, no, no. You done with your acceptance speech? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much done. Like, and seriously, shout out to my circle, uh, my crew of folks who, when this drop, I'm going to share it with them because I need them to know how important they, and instrumental they have been for me even through their nuances. Uh, major shout out to my immediate two. Um, shout out to you for doing this, for sitting in the closet and realizing that at some point, just like everything else in your life, you had to come out of the closet. <laughs> I knew you was gonna speak to coming out the closet. Um, but major shout out to you for finding a larger platform to you know, express yourself, go through your own grief, and process and yeah keep doing the work if i hear the work one more time the word you would you would repeat it i appreciate that it has been difficult to to bring it to a bigger platform it's no longer about me um it has been there have been people hounding me about stuff um yeah okay people hounding me not hounding people inquiring and they keep me accountable even if it's just two or three people um to know that that they look for it, it gives me a little bit of will to get up and do it stop making these faces i'm not making any faces <laughs> you're lying but i appreciate you sharing today um and for being one of those people to keep me accountable yeah <laughs> word this is why you can't record with older millennials all right thank you no it's been my gratitude appreciate it you sure you done done now? No, I want to keep talking. Like I like, <laughs> I kind of like this. Yeah, like it's pretty dope. We can do a part two in twenty twenty one to see how you faring in twenty twenty one. Oh, word! <laughs> you can't lean into the mic anymore like that. That's my signature move. You can't take that away from me. All right, Steve Harvey. Um, no, 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 no. You won't do that one. I ain't no. I think that's a little more safer than some of the other. Yeah, I guess so. Wouldn't dare call you Charlemagne. 
No, please don't. See? Uh, See? Cool. Since you want to call me Steve Harvey. Well, <laughs> we got a good one today. This is not family. <laughs> Let's leave Steve and his mustache out of this. You sure? Are you good? You don't have anything else to say? Nah. Just keep doing the work, people. For real, for real. Looks like we capped out at one and 